to everyone. We are so happy to have you in service with us today. And uh, I do want to say, because it's not the norm anymore, and especially even more so, it is a great treat to have my mother in service with us this morning. Mother Wright, Mother Wright my, and my dad are the founding, the founders of this church, and uh, we honor them today. My dad's in uh, California ministering, but we're thrilled to have her. Amen. I, I usually start preaching with a couple of verses at least, but if you will permit me to start without verses, I promise you I will have your fair share by the time we are done because I have plenty of Scripture. There is a king. But this king is a little different than most other kings. When you, when you think of a king in a natural context, there's a term that often is associated with it, and that is pomp and circumstance. In, I guess, especially ancient times, but even, even now, if the Queen of England makes some kind of trip around England, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that goes with her travels. And so, any time a king was coming, there was great pomp and circumstance that went along with that. There was, there was an entourage. There was a celebration. Oftentimes the king was carried on the, on the shoulders of, of servants. And, and uh, it, it was all about, you know, impressing everyone with how great the king was. It was an effort to kind of make sure everybody knew just how awesome and powerful and wonderful the king was. Can I tell you the king that we have sung about today, when he entered this world, did not come with the pomp and the circumstance that a natural king comes with. In fact, it was prophesied of His coming. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, the prophet Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You, you really can't get any more helpless. You, you really can't get any more uh, uh, vulnerable than to come that way. This king didn't come with guards and, and, and weapons to protect him. This king didn't come in nice robes and an expensive crown. This, this king came as a child born in innocence and vulnerability. Luke chapter 2, and I realize it's Easter, so if you're wondering why we're reading about Jesus' birth, part of the reason is you can't separate them. I realize the world, there's what they call C&E Christians who go to church at Christmas and Easter. You see, we, we may celebrate a little more intensely today the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but guess what we're going to do tomorrow? And guess what we're going to do Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And when we come back next Sunday, we're going to celebrate all over again. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ didn't just impact my life on one Sunday. But my entire life has been impacted by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Luke chapter 2 and verse number 4, the scripture says this, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them 
in the end, whether you've really paid attention to it or not, we have witnessed in our lifetime people being born into a royal family. We've watched a couple of times now as as there have been those in the English monarch, the British monarch, who have born children that are a part of the royal family, and those that have any interest in that, wait for it, anticipate it, they pay attention to it, they can't wait till it happens, and then they expect to see pictures and celebrations of the birth of that child, one of which has the potential of becoming the next king. But Jesus... The king shows up in a stable, wasn't born in a palace, wasn't born surrounded by luxury. He was born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, more than likely bedded down on the straw of the animals. You see, part of the reason for that was he knew who he was. He knew he was the king. And he didn't have to try to convince everybody he was the king by some kind of grand, glorious entrance. He knew he could show up as an innocent baby in a manger and he was just as much the king there had he been born in the greatest of palaces. It was only a few people that were really aware that he had been born. There was only a few people that really took notice of his birth. There was a few men, I'll read about him in a moment. There was a few men that recognized the time and something significant was happening. But outside of that, it was just Mary and Joseph and a few shepherds. It was in some ways unnoticeable that Jesus Christ was born. That God, God, not a second person of a trinity. I said not a second person of a trinity. God took on the form of what He created and came Himself. The first song this after morning was sung by my uh, youngest son, who then played the keyboard for the remainder of the service. If your life was in danger, if your life was on the line, and I told you, listen, I love you so much, I'm going to send my son to die in your place. How much is that show I love? I'm going to sit here and stay comfortable. I'm going to sit here and not suffer and send my son. The Father wasn't the first person in the Trinity telling the second person in the Trinity, you go down there and do the dirty work. The Father became the Son and walked among us. It was the Father who became a Son that was laying in the manger that was Emmanuel, God with us. While the world may not have stopped and taken note of his birth, no, he was no less the king. Isaiah also prophesied this in chapter 53 and verse number 2 of Isaiah. Another description of how he was going to come. Another description of the lack of pomp and circumstance with which Jesus the king would come into this world. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Listen, listen to this description of the king who came into this world. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Just look at that verse 3 again. Look at what it says about him. He's, he's despised and rejected. A man of sorrows 
and acquainted with grief. I, I, I don't want to touch what may be a hot button topic for some of you. It's not for me, so that's why I'm going to touch the button. But, but there's been all this whatever uproar about uh, the former, I guess, Prince Harry, right? Williams the old. Prince Harry and, and his beloved bride, Meghan Markle. And, and you know what? They're, I'm not here. I don't have no idea what mistreatment they've suffered. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you some mistreatment they haven't suffered. They don't know what it means to stand in line in the airport like cattle to get on an airplane. They don't know what it is to go on Expedia and try to find where you can get the nicest hotel for the cheapest price. They don't know nothing about that. They don't know nothing about that. They don't know nothing about no no interest payments at Best Buy for 12 months to get a new washer and dryer. They don't know anything about that. Because they're royalty. I don't think they will find out, actually. They may have given up a title, but they're living off the results. They didn't sit down with Miss Oprah out of charity. Whether she paid them or they knew payments coming. He's already been hired for a figurehead position. But they got a rough life. Let me tell you about rough. Let me tell you about a rough life. That royalty experienced, despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he hid as it, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed. There wasn't nobody wanting to take selfies with Jesus. A month or two ago, I still had that little boy that's living down inside of me awoke. I didn't say woke, I said awoke. Some of y'all don't know what that's about, but some of y'all do. I'll leave it right there. <laughs> I, was in the, I was begrudgingly the one tasked to take our dog to the groomer and pick him up. But when I went to pick him up, I pulled up to this curb and I looked. And in the car next to me is the only sports figure I've ever had any kind of whatever for. In a suburban right next to mine was Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles, the Iron Man. We walked in. He went in just a little bit ahead of me. And I'm standing there about six feet away. And he turned around with his dog to walk out, and I was very polite. I didn't even call him Cal. I said, Mr. Ripken, can I please get a socially distanced, masked selfie with you? Now, I don't mean to insult or make any of you mad, but I'm just going to be honest. I hate masks. You may like them, but I hate them. But I'm going to tell you, that was a moment I hated them even more. Nevertheless, he was standing about six feet away, and I got a selfie. If Jesus would have lived in the day of social media, they hid from him. But he was no less the king. In fact, it was really all a part of the plan. Philippians 2 and 5 tells us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. You ever had any first-hand experience with somebody that had an attitude that said, Do you know who I am? 
Do you have any idea who I am? Sometimes the answer may be no, which is insulting. And other times, other times the answer may be yes, but so. Jesus. If anybody had a right to have a reputation and build, or if anybody had a right to have a PR person for his public image, Jesus had a right. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And he hum- and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The king. But here's the thing, not just any king, the king. Because not only is, not only there is a king, but there is one who is the king of kings. And let me tell you today, it doesn't matter who acknowledges him or not. He is the king. The world did not come to a screeching halt when Jesus the King was born. Everything did not stop because He entered the world. And so let me just tell you today, if you judge the fact that He's the King by what everybody else is doing, you may be like some of those in His day that missed the time of their visitation because He did not come with all of the pomp and circumstance to get everybody attention. He just stepped into the world that he created knowing who he was, but also knowing that he wore the victor's crown. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1 says this, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Again, Jesus' day is no different than our day because the majority of the world when he was born was not ready, looking for him, anticipating his arrival. However, there were those that were looking and there were those that recognized the star. Can I tell you today, everybody else may be going their own way, doing their own thing, but if you would look for him, you will find him. In fact, he said it this way, when you look for me with all of your heart, you're going to find me. If you give him a casual passing glance you may not find him but if something inside of you cries out like the psalmist said as the heart panteth after the water brook so panteth my soul after thee oh God if there's something inside of you that says God I've got to have you I, I thank you for everything else in my life but the one thing I have to have I've got to have you take this whole world Just give me Jesus. Where is he? Where is he? However, there were those throughout his entire life that were skeptics. They were cynics. They did not believe who he said he was. They did not believe who some said he was. Matthew chapter 27 is his time on this earth is winding down. He's nearing the time of his crucifixion and the death and the resurrection that we celebrate today. In verse 11 of Matthew 27, it says, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? I'm pretty sure, in fact, because of the rest of this passage, This was not a sincere, heartfelt question. It was perhaps a fairly sarcastic question. Because here he is brought to Jesus, brought before him 
uh, as, as a captive. <laughs> You're the king of the Jews. You, the one that they brought to me to judge, you're the king. And, and then look at Jesus' response. Thou sayest. It wasn't one of those, you, you better believe I am. You, be, you know who you're talking to? You ever said that to your kids? You got multiple children. Sometimes you may have to remind your kids when they're talking, uh, excuse me, I'm not your sibling. You may talk to your siblings that way, but I ain't your sibling. <laughs> Jesus didn't respond and return to them the way they were treating him. I, I, I just sort of pictured him standing there and going, that's what you say. No rise inside of him. No anger. No wrath being poured out. Because he knew. He knew who he was. He knew what he was. He knew, he said it to him. You can't kill me unless I let you. You can't do anything to me that I don't allow you to do. You go down to verse number 29 as this interaction continues. And it says, when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Hail, King of the Jews. The only one that's ever had a right to wear a crown. The only one that's ever had a right to hold a scepter is the one that they made a crown of thorns for and mocking him put it on his head and mocking him gave him a, 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 a rod as a, as a, as, as a mim mimicking of a scepter. And he just took it all because he knows what the end of the story is going to be. And then the last thing that happens in this passage Interesting to me about this passage in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are some scenarios that you will find mentioned in a couple of the Gospels. There's only a handful at the most that all four Gospels reference. And this actually, this, this scene, this scenario is one of those things that in all four Gospels, they talk about this and Jesus being mocked as the king of the Jews. And then the final thing that they did was, verse 37, and they set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. They did it sarcastically, but it really was Jesus, the king. Of the Jews. Because again, he knew when he first came, he knew the end of the story before the story ever started. He knew that while he entered into this world without all of the pomp and circumstance, there was a day that was coming. While he entered this world and the world did not take notice of it, there is a day that is coming that the world will take notice. Because the same passage I read to you a few moments ago, Philippians 2 and 5, and I'll start there again, but I want you, I want you to hear what it says after the verses that I read. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But look what happens after that wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name the same God
God that entered this world in a manger as an innocent baby. Watch what the next verse says. That, 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 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue... Not just the Christian tongue, not just an apostolic tongue, but there will be a day that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I realized that while he was laying in that manger, not everyone confessed that he was Lord, but there will be a day that every knee, every knee, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to make anybody mad this morning. But the Buddhist knee and the Muslim knee and the Hindu knee and the heathen knee is going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But can I tell you, I'm amongst a group of people today that because of faith in the Word of God and what it says made up their mind already, I'm not waiting for a day when somebody is going to force me to bow and confess that He is Lord. I'm already going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And not only is He Lord, for the big picture he's Lord of my life he knew I don't have to come into this world and get everybody's attention because I'm going to get everybody's attention one day listen to what Revelation chapter 19 says this is a lot different than coming in In a manger. And I saw heaven open. And behold. This this is not fiction. This is not Hollywood. I believe what we are about to read. Is going to literally happen. One day. Call me whatever you want to call me. Label me whatever you want to label me. I believe that this right here is physically going to happen one day. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. They mocked him with a crown of thorns, but now he's got many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven, that will be us, followed him upon white horses. I'm not too good of a horse rider, but I'm just assuming it's going to come naturally that day. And on him, white horses clothed. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. I got it. We we got some military folks in here. You ever seen somebody go out to battle in white, clean clothes? No, you go in. You go in camouflage. You go in because you know you. They're going into battle in white. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And I got a feeling when the battle's over with, they're going to be clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Because that's going to be one unfair battle. Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords... Oh, I wish I had a preaching church on Easter Sunday for a few moments. I said the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to be the one leading that charge. And it's going to be a lot different than the first time that he came. Because this time he's going to let the world see firsthand who he is. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, not a king. 
but the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 17 and verse number 14. These shall make war with the Lamb and the Lamb shall overcome them for He is Lord of lords and King of kings and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. He didn't come the first time in all of that grandeur but He's coming the second time. But he's coming the second time, not by himself. He's coming with an army who are called and chosen and faithful. Can I tell some, I know it's been a challenging year. I said this last year, it's been a while since I said it. Please, please don't think by any stretch you and I have just experienced the most difficult year in the history of mankind. It didn't even come close. It may have been the most challenging year of your life and my life, but don't put it in the top ten. It have been a lot worse years in the history of this world than what you and I have been through the last year. Not even We're not even close. I didn't do it the first service. Now I, finally I made up. I don't remember why I got all that and forgot what I was saying. I messed up my streak the first service. Why was I saying? My cousin usually bails me out, and he's he's looks like a deer in a headlight. Why was I saying that? Yeah, he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Oh, well, there was a point that was about to be made. Revelation 1. There, there was, this, isn't, this wasn't the point, so I don't want you to think I'm acting like it was. It wasn't. This is a different point. There was a reason. There was a reason why he did everything the way he did. In fact, I think there were, there were various reasons why. There were, there, were, there were various reasons why he came as an infant and was born in a manger. And there, were, there, there were various reasons why he, he, his life went the way that it did. But I, I want to, by the help of the Lord, as I wrap up this morning, bring it home to how that relates to you and I. Revelation 1, 17. And when I saw him, I fell, this is, this is John, the writer of Revelation speaking, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Now watch this. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. The very things that we all are afraid of, he says, been there, done that. Been through it, overcame it. Been through it, I got the victory. I'm the one, he says, who went through all of that. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Thanks be unto God, who giveth us the victory. Watch this, John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. 
I'm sorry, there is a, there's a gospel that's been sold in our lifetime that tells you, you know, you, you'll become a, you'll, if you'll be a Christian and, 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 you know, give your life to Jesus Christ, you're going to get rich. You're going to drive a nice car, live in a fancy house, wear nice clothes, go on nice vacations, have all kind of money in your bank, and not have any problems. That is not a biblical gospel. Can Jesus make you rich if he wants to? Can Jesus take all the pain in your body away if that's what he wants to do? But he's interested in more and just making you comfortable here and now. And so he says, in this world, you will have tribulation. That word tribulation means test, trials, problems. Is there anybody here today that doesn't have a, at least one problem? Anybody? Is there anybody here today that wish all you had was one problem? Yeah. You see, our problem is when we have problems and things aren't going wrong, right, what's one of the first questions we ask? God, where are you? God, what did I do wrong? Why are you punishing me? And he says, you're going to have tribulation, but I got good news for you. I have overcome the world. What he was saying was, every bit of tribulation, everything that you might go through, I want you to know I have already been through it, and I overcame it. And so if you've got me on the inside of you, the one who already overcame is the one that can help you overcome in the book of Hebrews it says that I'm going to take off take out the double negatives and just say it the, 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 the easy way we have a high priest who is touched by the feelings of our infirmities who was in all points tempted like as we were. We, we have a tendency when somebody we know is going through something, going through a difficulty, maybe the loss of a loved one, we have a tendency to utter these words. I understand what you're going through. And let me tell you, if you've never been through what they're going through, don't ever tell somebody that. And actually, if you've ever been through what they're going through, don't ever tell somebody that. Because the same situation can affect people differently. I've watched people in the history of this church, I've watched parents that have lost children, died, early deaths. And I've watched some as it has solidified and strengthened their walk with God. And I've watched others as it has shaken their way. You, you, you can't just, well, I understand. I do my best to never, I'm for, I'm for, let me take that back. I, I don't do my best. I never utter those words. I'm ministering to somebody. I, never, I, I understand. I don't. But, oh, I got some good news for you today. Because the important thing is not for me to understand what you're going through. The important thing is for the king to understand what you're going through. And can I tell you today, whatever it is you've been through or may be going through, you've got a God who's not somewhere way up in heaven sitting on a throne looking down watching you as some little peasant in his kingdom. But he says, I've been through what you've been through. I've felt what you feel. I've dealt with what you're dealing with and the good news is I overcame and if I overcame you can overcome Amen. Romans chapter 8 last passage who shall sep excuse me, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect it is God that justifieth who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Now watch this. I want you to watch this next verse. 
Because there's, there, there's another question, but in this verse, I think it's a very interesting question in the context of what is about to be said. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I, I want you to watch this. It does not say what shall separate us. It says, who let the owls in the building? They laughed more the first time. Y'all told me to tell it again. They didn't laugh as much this time. It's what I get for being carnal. Since I'm being carnal, I was supposed to, I did messed up both times. If you can't tell, I have pink flamingos. That's what those are, those of you in the back that can't see. Just thought you might want to know. Who shall separate us? Now watch this. Watch what, is, watch what is answered or questioned. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? Those are not who. Those are what. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, in all what things? In all what things? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, COVID. I am so excited today. We, it's not the most challenging year, again, but it's been a challenging year. And I'm so excited today to know that we did not just survive somehow the last year. And all of the challenges the church has faced in the last 12 months, I'm here today to declare that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Whether it's at home from our living room, watching a screen, or when we get to be back together like we are today we are more than conquerors because there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God nothing for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who can separate us from the love of God? There is no thing that can separate us. And he says, notice in verse 38, things present nor things to come. There's a third tense that's not referenced there. And that's the past. Which is the thing that we often... Let's separate us from the love of God. And notice I said, we let our past separate us from the love of God. Because the only way to be separated from the love of God is for me to allow something to separate me. But because of the power of the blood... Because of the blood that was shed on the cross. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. If I refuse to allow it to separate me. It doesn't matter. The most despicable person in society. The blood. Can wash away their sins. And make them brand new. It doesn't matter if they've committed the grossest crimes that anybody's ever committed. The blood will cause them to not have to be separated. 
from the love of God. So he came into our world in an unassuming way, lived through the hardships that he lived through. Because one day the goal was to live inside of you and I. And therefore the one who overcame can now help us overcome. I I hope there's no one here today in this category. If you are, I'm not trying to be offensive. I, I would hope to stir you out of this mindset, but I can't remember. I may have said this already in this message, but there's a term, C&E Christians, C&E churchgoers. That's the folks that go to church at Christmas and Easter. Oh, my friend, can I tell you today, if that is the extent of your knowledge of God, and of what this is all about. I don't have the words to explain to you what you are missing. I don't, I don't have the words to describe to you what you are missing out on if all you know of Jesus Christ is a holiday. Can I tell you, there are people in this place today that can join me in testifying that I know what it means to be wounded and broken, bound. But for the overcomer to take up residence in my life so that I can overcome. There's another word that is pretty commonly associated with a king. And that's a throne. The throne is where the king sits and rules from. You know that every one of us have a throne. And somebody's going to sit on that throne and rule our lives. And while you may think you're the one that's running your life, I'm really sorry to tell you today, that's not the case. As the Apostle Paul said it this way, you are either either the servants of righteousness unto life, or you are the servant of sin unto death. Nobody serves themselves as much as some have convinced themselves they do. I wonder... This morning, I didn't do this in the first service for various reasons. Number one, I just didn't feel to, but I, I feel to do this, this, this service. I wonder if there's somebody, in fact, why don't you do this if you would. Would you just bow your head, close your eyes for a moment? I'm not, not trying to be spooky or whatever, and really partly just to try to help somebody be a little more comfortable in this moment and respond to the Spirit of the Lord. But if you're here today and the king that we have sung about, the king that I have preached about, if he's not living in your life, if he's not the king of your life, he wants to be that. Not to be a dictator. Not to be a tyrant. But to help you be an overcomer. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I I, I want to give an invitation to somebody today. I'm not going to drag this out, and if if there's no response, that's fine. But I, I wonder if there's anybody in this sanctuary this morning that you would acknowledge that Jesus is not your king, but you want him to be your king. If you're here today and that would be you, I know this might be a little bit uncomfortable to ask of you, but I want to I want to invite you to get up out of your seat. Come down to the front of this sanctuary and somebody'll join with you and begin to pray with you and and the King of Kings
the king of kings not just any king not just a king can i can i get some help from somebody not just a king not just any king but the king of kings will move into your life you say preacher i'm not worthy no none of us were You say, preacher, I'm not good enough. That's why he shed his blood. Because you're right. None of us are good enough. But if the Bible says if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. I I wonder if there's somebody else here. Maybe you've already at some point allowed him to become king of your life. But you know you're in a place right now. You know you're living in a way right now that he's not fully the king. That you're trying to rule with him in your life. But you would make your way down to this altar this morning and present yourself to the resurrected king today and say, Lord, once again I surrender my life to you. I want to I want you as the king of kings and lord of lords. I want you to rule and reign in my life, Lord. In the name of Jesus. If you're bound today, he can set you free. If you've got addictions in your life today, he can deliver you. If you're bound by depression today, God can set you free from that. That's what the king can do. That's what the king does when he shows up in our lives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit. Oh God, you wear the victor's crown. You overcame so that we could overcome. You overcame so that we could overcome. You went through everything you went through so that you could help us overcome what we go through. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. By the power of your spirit today, Lord. Oh, yes. In Jesus' name, oh, let your kingdom come, let your kingdom come, oh, everything, everything, I don't care how impossible the situation looks in your life today, can I tell you Jesus can change everything, I don't care how big the mountain you may be facing today, Can I tell you, Jesus can change anything. Jesus can change everything. Hallelujah. Everything, everything, everything changes. your kingdom when your kingdom comes Lord oh let your kingdom come 